1: Now, listening to Footy Prime, the podcast hosted by Danny Dicchio, Craig Forrest, and James Sharman.
0: <laughs> it's Monday uh, and it's Footy Prime. Welcome, everyone. Uh, I'm James Sharman, Danny Dicchio. Craig Forrest Jeff Cole on the uh, on the keyboards <laughs> and you know yeah and I'm not James Sharman it's Dan Wong filling in for James who's uh working on his pumpkin pies and meat
1: pies <laughs> um but how was the weekend fellas great yeah fantastic lots well, of lots of footy on lots of footy yeah long. lots of up, uh, a big upset yeah Liverpool finally lost yeah
2: Somewhere. start of the MLS season
1: yes mm. yes start
2: a CPL preseason today Yeah. Canadian boys are training I was impressed. outside.
1: I was impressed with the visuals from Nashville in their opening yeah. game ever.
2: The old little uh, country uh, rock star yeah, yeah. doing the anthem. Yeah, That's a, that's a great city. I've, I've never been down there, but it looks a great city to visit. Yeah, everybody says it's terrific. It's got to be a
0: footy prime landmark milestone. We go yeah. down there on the road when we... When the TFC go down there. Maybe that's what we do. I'll be a cracker. That's, yeah, uh, thank you. That. I didn't know we yeah. used that word anymore. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was racist. Um, <laughs> but lots going on this week. Uh, and I want to first start off with uh, Canada on the world stage. Uh, Jonathan David, Alfonso Davies, mm-hmm. and the impact in that CONCACAF match, which I watched. So Dan Wong watching soccer. Yeah. It's who knew? New. Who knew? It's, it's fantastic. Uh, but give me some insights on that. Does this change things for Canada when you have two guys who are making, you know, real waves on the international front?
1: Real waves, yeah. Uh, fantastic. I mean, I think Alfonso Davies was kind of introduced um, to another part of the world, if you like, even the UK, because we've, we've been following him at Bayern Munich because of who he is and whatnot. But... In the Champions League, when they played against Chelsea midweek, um, a lot of the pundits, ex-players, TV personalities over there finally got a taste of uh, what he can do, and he, he really grabbed some of the spotlight. Uh, it was terrific. But he's been doing that all season for right. Bayern Munich. I mean, it's quite an amazing story. 19 years of age, you know, born in a refugee uh, <clears throat> camp when he was, uh, you know, obviously his parents uh, got out of Libya or Liberia, and uh, to do what he's done... And the personality that he has, I mean, it's really something. He could be the first bona fide superstar that we've ever seen in football. And he's playing for one of the biggest clubs in the world. like right. Massive club. Um, we talked about it. They have a social media following greater than all the NHL teams in Canada combined. Uh, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's it crazy. It's right? crazy. It puts um, it in perspective, right? Yeah. About,
0: yeah. about footy and soccer sure. and the following. Wow. Absolutely. Massive.
1: Yeah. Massive. I mean, Chelsea. I think they have like 14 million Twitter followers or something like that. Yeah. Toronto Maple Leafs have 1.9. Like it's like it's not even close. So, and then you got Jonathan David. He's playing in Belgium, doing really well for Gent. Um, scored in the Europa League as well. Nice finish. Scored he's against got, Roma. Yeah, yeah. He's got 23 goals on the season. Yeah. They're talking about Real Madrid looking at him. Manchester United, Arsenal. Arsenal. Yeah, of course they are. I mean, why wouldn't they? Everybody yeah. would be looking at him at the moment. And but so what? That firepower to have that those opportunities for Canada is we've never seen it before, like not even close from an attacking uh, part of the game. So the pressure also now comes to Canada, the national system too, and our coaches are, and everybody selecting these players and the team is that, yeah, we've got 2026. We know that. Yeah. And Alfonso and Jonathan David are going to be in their prime. Hopefully that they stay healthy. It's a long way to go, but um, there's pressure to make this next world cup because, Squad to squad and CONCACAF, and what we've got to deal with is um, they're definitely in the top six for squads. Yeah. No question. Yeah. So they should be pushing to make that 2022, which they they are. I mean, they certainly are They're putting a lot of time into it, and Herman is obviously very excited about it.
2: Well, where Canada have always been kind of decent, Craig, is kind of defensively in goal, pum. No pun intended, with yourself. <laughs> Thanks. And <clears throat> defensive guys that were either playing in in England or Germany. Uh, a few of the guys were playing in Germany, and as you mentioned, Canada have never really had this firepower which we're seeing right now. And it's not just the likes of Johnny David and Alfonso Davis who are really setting the bar, but Junior hoylett has been in in England for a long time yeah. since. I a believe young he age. scored on the weekend as well. He scored at the weekend for Cardiff. Yeah. And you're talking about players now in the elite level we're talking about tier 1 teams where canadian players are playing week in week out we're not talking about tier 2 or tier 3 uh, level guys where they're playing week in week out and maybe getting a sub appearance or getting some minutes we're talking about tier 1 bayern munich playing in the champions league alfonso davis and i was a little bit upset with the ignorance of the english media at the weekend in Suddenly realizing what a good player Alfonso Davis is. He's been playing consistently for Bayern Munich uh, since the beginning of the year. He's had to buy these time, he's had to adapt, which we all knew was going to be um, a problem for him going to a new country, a new language. But he's a great kid, he's uh, um, a character. I think he's been through a lot in his life. He's faced a lot of adversity already, and I, I really don't think anything can really harm him at this moment. He's in the the perfect environment in Germany, in Bayern Munich. As I said, I was a little bit upset by the ignorance of the English media and certain critics well. you know how it goes as, as well,
1: great. Dietz, that if you don't do it against a Premier League team, and these mm. guys are Premier League-centric. I mean, we know what they are over there. Even though we played in the league, we know what the league's all about. But he did against Chelsea, and then everybody's like, "Whoa, like, yeah, these are against top top players." If they like, not the Bundesliga. Uh, so yeah, it is a disappointing, but that's just the reality the of reality, it. That, you know, they're they're looking at it until until you do it against an English team.
2: Well, it happened a little bit with Owen Hargreaves when he first came over as well, and mm-hmm. he went to uh, to Germany, he went to Manchester United, and there was still this ignorance of how can Canada produce a player like this, and then he obviously. Played for England in the end. I think his father was English. Am I right, mm-hmm. Craig? Yep. Um, yeah, parents. But I, I don't know. Maybe it's the ignorance of, of the English still thinking that we invented this game. So we are the main benefactors of producing top, top, high-level players, where they've got to open their eyes a little mm-hmm. bit more now because there's a real underlying of talent that that are developing in this country. And I'm, I'm really, really excited about the group I'm working with at Toronto. But there's the equivalent of the same batch of players in Montreal, which I've seen at 17s and 18s, that are really exciting to watch. And in Vancouver, they have a, a nice group of players coming. And we mm. haven't even spoke about other parts of Canada where there might be that little diamond in the rough where Alfonso came from. Uh, I mean, Vancouver only picked him up. When he was like fifteen, sixteen, yeah, he was from Edmonton. From Edmonton, he was yeah. kind of developing in Edmonton. So credit <clears throat> due to the guys in Edmonton, uh, Jeff Polis there as well, and that group that that develops uh, Alfonso at a young age. So there are them diamonds in the rough as well. It's a big country. We can't yeah. just be located on the three MLS academies that are developing players. There's still going to be players out there that are not either in an environment which is suited to them yet, or they're in an environment where they're going to mm-hmm. develop, where they don't need to be in a professional academy yet, and they might get their chance at a later date and blossom there. So. You know,
1: you've, you're working with younger players, Dietrich, and somebody like Alfonso, I have to ask you, I mean, it, there's there's some players have the it factor. Right. And you kind of wonder, like, you can develop players, obviously, to a certain extent, but to what point is it a certain amount of is natural? Like, obviously,
2: he's late and quick. Yeah, I saw him at 14, and I knew straight away this boy is is a player. He's just, as you're saying there, Craig, it was a natural talent, just a, an effective guy in the attack where he was either going to create something or score a goal. Mm-hmm. And that was at 14, 15 when I saw him. So I, I I agree with you. There's a certain tactical element and technical element that we have to guide these younger players we don't want to be taking away their freedom to really um, express themselves, express themselves yeah. and, and show their true talent. Because at the end of the day, when I go back to how much I was taught as a younger player, the majority of my development was done out in the streets, out outside my house, kicking the ball in the road against a garage where I probably pissed off my neighbours so much. <laughs> but that one-on-one training and kind of manipulating the ball to, with having no coach or no referee involved when I'm playing pickup up with, mm-hmm. with my friends as well. That was as necessary as doing a, a proper technical session with a, a coach yeah. in a structured environment.
1: It's interesting you say that. I was talking to Nick Dazovich, uh, working for the Vancouver Whitecaps uh, coaching uh, system and whatever. He knew Alphonse, obviously, for the last five years, and he said he was just always wanted to play. Right. He wanted to join in on every session. He would come extra training. He would be the last one off the field. I mean, that's pretty typical for players that uh, you know, are hungry, but, you know, it's...
0: Well, there's that hunger level. And then I always think of, you know, from 14 to, he's 21, 22?
1: Alfonso? Yeah. He's 19. Oh,
0: 19. Jeez. He's so five 20, years. Year, yeah. But those five years are critical in guys' ages, right? Like, that's... And there's so many other distractions. Mm-hmm. And so there's something to be said about even his mental focus and his discipline. Him himself, his family, himself as well. family yep. you know, where you're like, wow, that's impressive. Because, uh, you know, our show is going to be today about violence. We're going to have Robin Black in, but he had to cancel quickly. But I think it has to be adaptability. That's what we're going to talk about today is adaptability. Mm-hmm. And a guy like that coming from Liberia originally, Edmonton, going to play in Vancouver, and then, you know... Germany. Germany, men's national team. He has to adapt at every level. Yeah. And I always think that's where, especially in that age, when, hey, it's also... You also want to go have your first pint. Yeah. You also want to go and... Chase girls. Shag girls. (laughs) Right? Let's be honest. Like, Yeah, that's where you're at. Where, you know, how do you... Not rein it in, but control that, and maybe mm. that, that's a bigger discussion for you guys. Like, how did you make that choice? And Dish was at the clubs until four thirty, and was athletically gifted enough, and you know you were, you know, might not have, you might have had a, a setup and be disciplined a certain way, but you were still.
2: I was actually at a club till 6. It wasn't 4.30. <laughs> <laughs> Straight to training. Clubs in London, uh, yeah. shut 6. how do you navigate <laughs> that? There's the question. How do you
0: navigate no, that?
2: It, it, was, it was a time, and I think this generation are a lot different. They're, they're more social, socially savvy in the sense that they're into TikTok and Instagram and Snapchat and whatever it is and wanting to be a big star on that rather than... Go out. I mean, even dating now, you, you don't even have to go out and date or meet meet a a lady or, or swipe boy of your choice. Swipe to right on Tinder, and you happy <laughs> yeah. day So, it's, the generation has changed a lot. I'm not saying that right. guys mm-hmm. or or female players don't go out and party. Of course, they do. But there's a there's a time and place for it. I don't think you could get away with, especially the way the game has moved on, Craig. Now, the, the, the physical, athletic side of yeah. of the way this game has. Well, moved I think on. a lot
1: of it comes down. I mean. His attitude, his personality—he will have challenges like he never ever knew or ever never thought that he would have. Um, but he's at a—he's at the right club for that. I mean, these guys are well aware of the situation that these young players are. I mean, it's a—it's a revolving door, really, of just talent that comes through Bayern Munich. They only take the best of the best, and from day one. When Alfonso showed up he talked about how uh, he was at the training session, how they welcomed him in it was massive for Alfonso. You could tell that meant a lot to him. Right. And the players really took to him before they even knew what he was going to be like as a player. Um, I think Muller was actually following him <laughs> on Twitter, and he's like, hey, why don't you follow me on Twitter? <laughs> he didn't even know who he was. Right.
2: i tell you what's you massive know. as well. And and obviously, as I've spoken about dealing with younger players and younger Generation Canadian players that are trying to get to the level of Alfonso Davis is the awareness of the Canadian player now. We're going to games or tournaments now where there's double the amount of scouts and interest within our players, whether it be through universities, but more specifically through professional clubs from Europe now, in trying to find the next Alfonso. Whether it be playing for Toronto, Montreal, right. Vancouver, mm-hmm. so we're at these tournaments now, and they're getting even younger. They're trying to take these players over to Europe, even younger now, and because these clubs don't want to miss out on finding that next Alfonso, yeah. that next Johnny David. Who uh, let's let's get Johnny in the in the conversation as well because he's playing at a not so big club in Belgium. Yeah. and banging goals. He's up there as the top goal scorer yeah. in Belgium. So credit to Johnny David as well. We're speaking about Alfonso going to Bayern Munich, massive mm-hmm. club. But Johnny's done it at a, a different level in a very good development league, Belgium, where there's some fantastic players. And he's consistently performing week in, week out in the Europa League and in the National League in Belgium. Mm-hmm. So he's going to get his move to a tier one club eventually but as i said the the awareness and interest now in younger players in canada because of those two players is outstanding is outstanding so these younger players now and their parents are starting to rub their hands and think wow yeah. this is an opportunity now where we have to pull the reins back a little bit on on their understanding of for every alfonso davis you know there's there's yeah. there's a real limitation on being that next guy. In the well, you look lot, at what's, ha- what's
1: happened in the last 20 years. Like, who has been... Who, yeah. ca- what Canadian has made it to that level in the last 20 years? Or ever? Never. I mean, OK, played in the Premier League and great. Yeah, but you talk about Paul Stalterri. Stalterri, I mean, he's another one. I mean, he won the Bundesliga with Werder Bremen. And I believe he played yeah. every game. Really, really Solid. Good, he went to Spurs. solid defender. Yeah. Big but move. again, defender, right? Yeah. Yourself, Jimmy. Yeah, you all know, defenders. defenders. Yeah. Our, our top strikers were Carlo Corsini. He was playing third tier, second tier with Cambridge United and Northampton right. that level.
2: It's so important that these guys understand that <clears throat> they are kind of the pioneers for the next generation of Canadian players mm-hmm. that are gonna be wanted by top tier yeah. one clubs. If they develop properly, if they really knuckle down, if they understand the the pitfalls that come with professional football and being given too much at a younger age and thinking you're suddenly big-time Charlie now and you haven't really done anything yet, but you're Mm -hmm. close to it if you keep understanding what's got you your success in the first place and you keep pushing on. We have two or three guys at at our group now, within our group, the U19s and T2. I feel, I feel, could be near that level as well right but we've just got to kind of put the shackles Mm -hmm. on them a little bit wrap them up in cotton wool give them their freedom to express themselves but also keep them level-headed
1: it's also the potential problem with parents and academies and things like this moving on down the road to sell the dream too right you have to be realistic about what's going on like it's something we're seeing that has never happened before in canada yeah we have been doing this for over 100 years yeah so the chances for young boys to make it professionally are still stacked against them.
0: Yeah. And Dish was talking about that with his team. Yeah. and But I also wonder what does this mean for the Canadian men's national team? You know, the commitment from these guys... To say, hey, I'm going we're we're gonna be at all these games. We're going to commit to the team. Mm-hmm. And when do they have... I guess, when do you have to make that commitment? Are you on call all the oh, whole time if you've made that commitment? They've all
1: they've already played for Canada. They can't play for anybody else. Right. They're tied. Yeah,
0: Because um, that was the deal with I remember when Hargraves went over because he had played an under twenty one or something. Yeah.
1: Well see, Owen was like there's a lot of criticism to the Canadian Soccer Association about how the handling of Owen was, but Owen was Owen was a, a a later developer as well right so when he was passed over for whatever teams with the csa for whatever reasons that that happens all the time right we go to looking at late developers in the premier league jamie Vardy, we talked about yeah him. yeah the guy's 33 now 10 years ago he's playing non-league non-league yeah. like way down <laughs> for yeah
0: Fleet, we actually looked at it
2: with- <laughs> Fleet well before that he was playing at some other place. Four
0: hundred and fifty like, seats. Yeah,
1: four hundred and fifty seats. He'd also it.
2: been released by Sheffield Wednesday at an apprentice level.
1: Right, there you go. So showing so, yeah, his
2: character a little bit as well.
1: Right. Character. But it happens sometimes. Stuart Pierce played for went on to play for England. I don't think he really played professionally until he was twenty two. Mm. Something like that. So it does happen, you know, and I wouldn't blame any coach that ever overlooked players at a younger level and then these players turned out to be something.
0: But we also had, I remember the trifecta of guys who went from Canada to, and you'll remember this, it it was Owen Hargraves, it was Radzinski, the, uh, no, not Radzinski, sorry. Thomas Radzinski. No, not Tom, but he was already playing, but it was also um, in other sports was Lennox Lewis. Remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're
1: thinking of Rzeszke, the, uh, the tennis player. The tennis player. He yeah. had
0: grown up in Pointe oh, Claire. Yeah. Greg Rzeszke. Thank you. Yeah. But it was like this trifecta of Canadian kids. Yeah. Who just went? Oh, I'm English now. Yeah. So yeah. it was this. Bi- it was a pretty big deal for us because yeah. we we're like, No, you grew up in Kitchener. You grew up yeah. in Montreal. You grew up in Calgary. And they're like, Oh, I'm playing on the. You know, I'm playing that Union Jack That's on. what the Commonwealth yeah. does for you. Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, I was, I was a lot like that too. Um, yeah. You know, living in England, watching these Canadians now fighting or playing tennis for, for the UK, uh, England, whatever. And it was disappointing at times. Yeah. But also, Canada's got to hold their hands up to uh, how we present these guys, how we look at them, yeah. uh, how we support them, yeah. because outside of hockey,
0: yeah.
1: Um, you know, like the Golden goal of, uh recently, 10 years ago at the Olympics, Sidney Crosby, gets a lot of play. Yeah. You know, overplay. Right. But other sports don't get that play. Right. What are you referring to? Yeah. <laughs> well, that, well, soccer. I mean, even we won the Gold Cup 20 years ago. Yeah. It's like, we it's our only frickin' trophy we've ever won. Right. Okay, we won the Concacad Championship in 85 when they qualified. That was more of a qualifying for the right. World Cup. But this was like a tournament tournament structure. We've never done that. Right. And no other country outside the U.S. and Mexico have freaking won that tournament. Yeah. We should be blowing that up. Yeah. Because it's not, it's not just for me or for the players that played in there to brag about it. Our association and people in soccer in this country, we're here to inspire the next generation. Right. Just like Alfonso and David are doing on the field right now. Yeah. We'll use that. Yeah. Use everything we've had. We haven't won freaking trophies. You think if England won the Euro 20 years ago, they'd be celebrating it 20 years from now? Yeah, yeah of course they freaking would because they don't win any trophies. Yeah, We won a trophy in a major international tournament, and well, we don't we,
0: sell ourselves. We were even fortunate enough, the the four of us, Jeff Quill in the corner and Charms, the five of us, to go see Canada play the U.S. at, mm-hmm. uh, at BMO Field. And great game. We, I mean, they got... They didn't do great on the next leg, but that game was, you know, had all the top-tier guys we're talking about right now, and yeah. they played really well, and there were, what, 16,000 people, yeah, 12,000 yeah, exactly, people? exactly, exactly.
1: And, and that blew my mind, because... And we t- were five of them, like... Yeah, and TFC would have sold out against Columbus Crew yes, yes. on a Tuesday night, yeah. and yet you go, I don't think that'll happen now. I think that we've, there should be enough attention that you would think that, you know, TFC, I mean, no disrespect to those players. They're not playing for Bayern Munich. Right. They're playing for the 20th probably league in the world. Yeah. You know, it's it's not even close. So, yeah, go and support the Canadian team. Dave and Alfonso, I mean, it's a fantastic squad of players. Yeah. Going,
2: going back to the players and working with the younger players, I can't say how much... That these younger players love to play for their national team or want to be part of the national team setup and that that gives me a, a lot of 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 pride as well in dealing with these younger players that are so interested and so disciplined in in wanting to play for their country, whether it be at u fifteen level u seventeen level u twenty level u twenty three and I think now with the the, the success. Or the actual the turnaround with the men's national team, the, the women's national team have been very good for a, for a few years now. But that drums up the interest. My my big thing with with the CSA and looking at how the US deal with their youth setup and other clubs, or sorry, other countries around the world is the investment that they put in with their their youth teams. We need to give these players more experience, more experience in international tournaments or international fixtures. If, if these players are going to progress and develop into players that we want to mm-hmm. compete at the international stage, Craig, and uh, yeah. I go back to you when you were 15, 16, 17, when, when was the first time you played for your national team? Um, 87. How old were you? 20. So it's the full men's national team or under 20? Mm-hmm. So, no, I was
1: under 20, was, and yeah, also in 87 World Cup. Yeah.
2: So we're talking about Craig's never played at the international stage, and this is a goalkeeper, a player that played in the Premier League. Yeah. Okay, so now kind of think about these younger players that we're dealing with that we want to push on. We want them to perform at the international stage. We want them to do well for the country in whether it be the Hex, whether it be CONCACAF qualifying, whether it be the World Cup. With our fingers crossed, we're going to be there. But we just need to invest a little bit more. And I know they're trying to to, to <clears throat> rustle up some money, but these players need more exposure. They need more mm-hmm. international games to help them with their development.
1: It could it potentially could smoke screen the the idea that, you know, all of a sudden Canada's developing players too and that the system has changed. I don't think that that's really the case. You know, it's kind of in spite of the mm. system, right? I mean Alfonso a couple of years in Vancouver, Edmonton, whatever, but and David, they've been over in Europe, you know, at a very young age already. You know so it's uh,
2: well, the academies are definitely helping. I mean, we look at the U15s and U17s. Uh, U17s just uh, got to the World Cup, obviously, went out against a very good Brazil team that ended up winning it. But a very good selection of players from, from um, TFC and and Montreal that will go on to play for, for the men's national team one day. Mm-hmm. I am sure of that. The U15s. A very strong uh, group of players again. Uh, just beat the likes of the US and Mexico at a tournament last summer, which has been the first time I think the Canada national team at that level has ever produced results like that. So it's mm-hmm. in the making. It's a process. It's not going to be a quick fix. I think the academies are definitely helping out. And also the coaching within certain leagues outside of the academies is helping. It could still get better for sure. Mm-hmm. The screening, the identification process could still get better, but we're heading in the right directions for sure.
1: But you're right about investment. Uh, I know that like the U20 American team, they will travel around together yeah. for months and play games all over the world, uh, giving them that experience and playing time together. Yeah. They which play al- four
2: tournaments before right. they actually go into a proper international tournament. Mm-hmm. So they'll go and play... I don't know, like an Algarve Cup, or they'll go down to Florida and play. Invite Mexico, Brazil, yeah. but they got the money to actually the money go to do to that. Invite them in. Yeah. They've got the backing of Nike as well. So. Yeah.
1: So we've had situations where our national team are going to go compete against that, where right. they, they've been together for months, right? Pretty well uh, rehearsed, and we show up five days before the match. Some of the players, the coach hasn't talked to or seen play for months. Months. Yeah. yeah. So. Not unlike how you're supposed to compete with that.
0: Well, not unlike you playing for the national team, right? Mm -hmm. Flying in and flying out, and not, yeah, I'm coming, and your team not even knowing, your your Ipswich not even knowing that you're flying back to play for them, and you not knowing you're going to be on the field. Yeah,
1: oh yeah, being adaptable. That's right. And being adaptable, and that's you know,
0: I and hence Footy Prime, the creation of Footy Prime. Mm. Um, You know, Concacaf that Concacaf Champions League. Thierry Henry with the impact, 22,000 people in Montreal Mm -hmm. at the Big O, played inside against that Costa Rican team, I think from San Jose. Um, Does that have any impact? Is it good for the league? You know, is it good for – it's obviously good, but does it make any – if they get a little further into the CONCACAF championship, does that change anything? Well, they've
1: done that before. They got to the final. That's right. I remember Um, that. And – Really well-supported. Montreal, overall, I think Canadian fans, football fans, understand the CONCACAF Champions League better than the Americans at this present moment. They don't sort of understand the the nuances of it as much as we do. Um, It's great for the development. Montreal, Quebec has always been a hotbed and very well-supported for the most part. Um, And it's great to see. So these are all parts of the steps, you know, for popularity and development and things like this. So, they've, like I said, they've done it before. People, you know, support them. It's a great tournament. And you know, we said it, when Toronto SC got their team, you know, back 12, 13 years ago, Yeah, there's an opportunity for a team in Canada to one day go and play in the World Club Championship Cup against Real Madrid. Yeah. Barcelona. That's, that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Like a competitive game. So yeah. um not, as of yet, no MLS team has ever won that CONCACAF yeah. Champions nope.
2: League. They've been All to the, the Mex- finals. It's
0: the Mexicans, I was going to say. Mexicans. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: A- every time. Yeah. And then, So yeah. now that's another argument where we're speaking about MLS teams that have a wage cap. Yeah. And starting their pre-seasons at a different time of year than the Mexicans that are halfway, maybe more than halfway through their season, Craig. Their wage cap is significantly higher than what the MLS wage cap is. So we're competing already behind the eight ball already against these Mexican teams who are very, very strong, have superstars, DPs in in their squads, not DPs that are kind of brought over for the name rather than their actual play. But I think the MLS... Quality of play is starting to get closer. The parity is starting to get closer. Mm-hmm. And I do feel that there's going to be an MLS winner within the next two years that will be competing at the Club World Cup against the Liverpools, the Real mm-hmm. Madrid's, the San Paulos, whoever it is, and that will be a magnificent, a magnificent movement forwards for this league and yeah. and football in North America in general.
1: And I think that again, like Danny says it'll and it will also people in the United States will start to understand it. oh, okay, right. that's That's the the reason. That's the pie (laughs) in the sky. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. Well, that brings us into because
0: we just, MLS kicked off this week. Yeah. Any big games that you guys want to talk about that, I mean, the Nashville, that's pretty impressive.
1: Very impressive. We've seen the new teams come into the league and the the support. You know, Atlanta blew me away because it's not really a great sports city in the past. No, God. We talked about it. A little bit worried about it. The Atlanta Flames. It's been a slam dunk. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're following over the last, like, two years. It's just incredible.
2: Well, the MLS Cup final last year in Atlanta had more spectators than the Super Bowl last year. That shows you. Well, you're, you're the year before. The Seattle, year before Atlanta, yeah. yeah. Not right. Seattle. This, Seattle TFC. But there were 70,000 there too, right? 70,000 inside yeah. the Atlanta stadium yeah. when they won the championship. Yeah. So to have these clubs come in, these super clubs uh, mm-hmm. that are already set up with even NFL ownership groups that are yeah. uh, connected to them, I think is massive for, for the league. Mm-hmm. But to see uh, Nashville come into the league and, and really, really last put on year. Cincinnati. Yeah, it's what, what I would say is that if you are coming into the league now, you cannot cheap out. Right. Since he cheaped out, in my opinion. Minnesota mm-hmm. cheaped out, in my opinion. Yeah. You can't cheap out no more. You where they to cheap go. out?
0: Where they cheap out? On what? what Just to-
2: in general, like in in facilities. Maybe facilities not moving into a stadium right. straight away. Uh, not investing in the squad, the coaching staff straight away. The structure has to be set in place. Yeah, and we had it even with Toronto FC at the early stages. We had the the crowd, we had the media interest, but the structure to compete on the field was not there right
1: yeah it takes it takes a while for sure i mean i know in minnesota mark watson who was part of the gold yeah, cup team yep. um general manager there at the moment but in year one they were okay let's let's look for scandinavian players you know yeah, the scandinavian right. background you know
0: yeah well I was know, just, in the area right because the, it'll know. build it'll build some fan base yeah
1: yeah but it was like Yeah, but the players you're looking at are terrible. Plus, it's Minnesota. What
2: what place in the U.S.
0: do you not want to move to if you're from Canada? Mm. (laughs) Well, yeah, uh, going from bad weather to bad weather. So what's success then? You've got Beckham in in Miami.
2: Yeah, which was a great game yesterday, right? Yeah. They they played their first game at LAFC. Yeah. Full house. They're going to be an interesting team. LAFC. Into Miami. Oh, right. For the reasoning, they've brought in a fantastic coach who's won the Champions League in Mexico, an Argentinian coach. But I really feel that their squad, their roster, is going to really change after the summer window. I think they're going to bring in one, possibly two really big hitters within that that team. And that will totally change the concept of Inter Miami. I think they'll try and swim above water for the next two, three months. And as they start to move in, to the summer transfer window. uh, I got a feeling either Cavani's coming over, someone big is going to come over and help that group out and push them on to a new star level. Because in honesty, this is the first year, apart from Chicharito, Craig, that there hasn't been any really big stars within the league, like big name stars. What, What I really like is that teams are now starting to understand that we can bring in quality players. They might not be the big-name stars that are going to attract bums on seats, but right. they're quality players is going to make the overall standard of play better, which I have to give a, a, a lot of credit to, to the teams this year. Mm-hmm. You can go out and find a, a very, very good player, whether it be in South America, uh, Central America, uh, in Europe now, and bring them into an already tidy group, and propel you to be a very strong team, where before I'm um, not disrespecting Ebra because he's done a, a fantastic job, but the likes of Frankie Lampard were on their last legs. Yeah. Stevie G came over for a little bit of a vacation mm. as well. Stevie Gerrard, um, Danny Dicchio. Danny Dicchio mm. came over. <laughs> for, for, but now they're starting to bring players over, a la uh, Sebajrovinko, who but was winning. 27 when he was brought over.
1: Well, do you think yeah. that, do you think the Toronto model change things for possibly. some? Other like possibly, possibly. Okay, more, a lot of people. Italians would have known of Giovinco. Juve fans would have known of Giovinco. Yeah. But overall, not really. Like, not the normal, you know, the soccer fan American in Toronto. Fans, American fans. fans. Right. So they went for Tador. Yep. Okay, struggling in the Premier League, yep. the top level. But he filled the net in Holland. He would fill the net in MLS. It's a good standard for him. Bradley, the same thing. But they had to probably overpay for them to get yep. them to leave the league that they're in. Um but they're also positioned to actually win. Right. And is winning more important well, to bring fans in or is it the you know the pure lows of the world, the, you know, fantastic brilliant players have come over and and try to fill the stadiums because they want to see these legends. Well, that's what
0: that's what's so interesting to me because you guys lived it. You were broadcasting the TFC. You were playing for them mm-hmm. when you guys were
2: Beckham came over the same time yeah, as me. Exactly. Exactly, the same time.
0: exactly. And you know, you fill the seats for a couple games. And then if it's not producing, you're not winning, then it's about the broadcast marketing. And so if you and that's why I said what's our question, what's this what's success for Nashville and what success for Miami? Does it is it just filling the seats or is it also, you know, getting into the creating a new habit for Miami fans, well, creating want, yeah. a new habit for Nashville fans. You want to create
2: that buzz, and I think that's, that's what Toronto FC done very, very well in the first years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Montreal tried it, bringing in Drogba um, right. and some other big names in, in the first couple of years. So you have to create that buzz, but you also want to be competitive, you know? And I feel that's the way the league has gone now. They want to be competitive. They want the, the, the standard of play, to be higher which is great they want to be in the top five leagues within the world by the time the US, hold, the US and Canada and Mexico hold the World Cup in 2026 yeah. is that possible I still think it's a long stretch but yep yeah, with the marketing the branding behind it and the the way the league is, is investing yeah. it's possible Craig yeah, it is I possible. absolutely
1: believe it and when they're putting out sides that are being supported like Atlanta and Seattle and Nashville out of the gates, Miami, you know, the, the, yeah. the support's really good. And the structure of the league's really good. So much different than the old North American Soccer League that was just fly by the seat of your pants. Saw the Pelé thing work so well in New York with the Cosmos. Hey, let's bring over Georgie Brest. Let's yeah. bring over, you know, all these uh, old Roddy Marsh. And so, this went on and on.
2: So with um, the way the MLS started back 25 years ago, I don't know if we, we can remember it because we were still in England at the time. Mm-hmm. But the way it has blossomed now, and it had some real struggles early on in the season. There was like three or four teams that went bust.
1: Oh, it was, it was a tough. I mean, Frank Gallup tough... was, was playing for Tampa Bay, who A-go, went under. Tampa Miami Bay, actually right. went under. Dallas yeah. went under.
2: That's right. Dallas and he was Burn. like,
1: every year was like, is this even going to hold yeah. on? So It was a struggle. Putting
2: yeah. that in perspective of where the CPL is right now, and how it's going to face struggles. There's probably going to be one or two teams that have to pull out due to financial restrictions or just mm-hmm. they can't invest the money that's needed. I just hope that the, the CSA and the CPL have the backing with one Soccer now as well, investing a lot of money to, to go through those struggles. And hopefully in 15, 20 years' time, we're talking about the CPL having the structure and... The, the quality to push on not only for Canadian players but for, for sport in this country as well for soccer in this country so again going back to MLS in the early years everyone was kind of saying after five years this could be a league that's going to go bust altogether oh yeah right you know just yeah. like the women's uh, N- uh NWSL was it or oh well, the women's league yeah. the women's league went yeah. bust a couple yeah. of times you know yeah. so that's the struggles in North America, but I really f- love the way that MLS is heading. Yeah. And I hope CPL can take note of it. I know they don't want to be seen as we're competing against them or we're a we're to- totally different entity, but they're going to go through their struggles, and that's why us mm-hmm. involved in the media, but also coaches, yeah. staff, fans need to support as much as you possible. Need, you
1: need a history. Yeah. You need to yep. build, a, even, even to see with CPL in year two coming up, um, there's always a little bit, slightly bigger buzz about it. People are starting to understand and hear about it. For last year, for while well, the season was on, it was like people didn't even know what was going on. Right, but, but it's like, also find where do you find it? Like where do you, you know, where do people? Not so much where you find it, but where are you finding news out? Where they, like, you know, it's everything's no, it's, it, changed. Everything's becoming yes. fragma- uh, very fragmented. But that goes to
0: point. that goes to the structure again, as as Danny was talking about, because. You know, even CPL, just this morning, because they're in training now, CPL sent Footy Prime, we all got emails this morning about, hey, Mm -hmm. media credentials. Well, I would argue, you know, that we're in a space that we're getting media credentials as a podcast that we just Mm. started, you know, four months ago. Yeah, And that they're recognizing that we have some, you know, some legs to help grow the sport in Canada. It allows us to say, hey, we're a voice, but you're a voice. You know they're they're triggering us to talk more about them, and we are just because mm-hmm. you know, hey, they've done a good job at marketing themselves for their first year, and putting a at, putting a um, a strong product. I'm not going to say it's you know it's not top tier, but we've mm-hmm. spoken about the final and the and the the play of CPL. Has, was higher than you thought it would
1: yeah, be. Yeah, it wasn't It wasn't bad at all. It was a decent uh, product, for sure. It, it is what it is. Right. You know, um, it's not the English Premier League, but it's it's ours. Yeah. And it's something to support and support each other. I think with it, in this country, too, and you probably witnessed it, Danny, coming over here, is that as big as the sport is, and it's it's got, it's big here, is that everybody seems to be pulling in different directions. Yeah. And whether that is academies, club level, pro- province, fighting with our national association. Yeah. Federation. It's within, like, uh, frick yeah. me. If, if we could get ourselves all aligned together and support each other no matter what here. Craig, yeah. don't swear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> frick me. Frick me. Oh, that,
0: <laughs>
1: that really you with
2: know, really me when I came over, and I, I thought, hold on, the clubs or youth clubs or organizations within the leagues are telling the CSA or the federations what to do where obviously in England it's the total opposite way around, you have the FA that control everything and are basically telling the clubs, these are the registration fees, this is what you must abide by, blah 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 blah, but over here it's the total opposite way around so mm-hmm. that's why you're 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 getting so much pulling from different directions and certain clubs doing what they want to do, certain coaches doing what they want to do, I think it's getting better but it needs to be a lot more unified if they want to move forward mm-hmm. and, as you said, be kind of one voice. Everyone can have their opinions, but there needs to be a leading organization that kind of keeps everyone in order. Right. It's and, just it's And never support been that, way. that. It's never yeah. been that way.
0: The, yeah. uh, we'd be remiss not to talk about a little bit APL. There were some games this weekend, and Sharm's must have been having a conniption, <laughs> as it were. Yeah. He'd be, he must, like, be talking to his dad about putting him... He's on the couch <laughs> talking about Liverpool and his dad putting him on the opposite <laughs> rugby team. Um, bound to happen, or... It's going to happen, eventually. And you and I Liverpool were talking losing. about... losing? These guys are... They're playing professional teams. These are professional players on the other side. Yeah.
1: You know, so... Yeah. Did they, did they not come up strong? Did they play weak? Well, listen, I mean, put it in perspective. They've yeah. got, I think, going into that game, 106 points out of a possible 108. Ridiculous. You know, so, it, of course, they were going to lose at some stage. Um, and to who? I mean, you know, you could almost say it was coming. Uh, the West Ham result, yeah, and the way 3-2. they've been playing over the last yeah. few games, you know, it seemed as though it, it was coming, as well as they've got the league wrapped up. If they're not going it's, to, it's done. Yeah. Uh, so they were just trying to be unbeaten. Um, and they didn't play very well, right? But it was going to happen. Yeah, I, I do. I did notice though, which is really, I find it uh, an interesting topic itself, is how they the scapegoat was Lovren, like this, the the actual abuse that he was taking on social media. <laughs> Nobody deserves that. Like he's it's not just, trying. It's people just are so mean. 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 They don't think of them as a human. They're just this like <sighs> Xbox freaking yeah cartoon running around their avatar out there yeah yeah he's not trying to make mistakes i'm not a fan of his you know he's that but he's not trying to make mistakes and he's not just the only player that played poorly that game midfield weren't great forwards weren't great they didn't score any goals you know so it it just shows you even getting to a team that has gone this long unbeaten and how you're as good as your last game right almost yeah yeah and they
2: come for you key thing as well And uh, I've been a little bit critical of him over the past couple of years. Not critical in the sense that he's a bad player, but sometimes I just don't think he's a Liverpool player. And he's really grown on me this year. But the missing of Jordan Henderson within that midfield is a big miss to Liverpool nowadays. Mm Mm-hmm. And I feel going away to, to a club like Watford where I fucking hate Watford. I have got sent off there twice. <laughs> there's something there's something about that ground that rubs me up the wrong way. You and, and
1: Dini would have some battles? Yeah, oh,
2: you know, I got sent off second. My second time was against Sean Dyche, the Burnley manager. Really? Yeah. He caught me with an unbelievable elbow at a corner, so I tried hey, to get him back hey, from Danny. a goal kick. Hey, Danny. I'm and he rolled around like <laughs> he was in... Uh, did he? Swimming pool. But um, <laughs> no, that's, that's a tough place to go. And Nigel Pearson's got them set up really, really nicely. I agree with you. I think the writing's been on the wall for a month or so now. They lost in the Champions League to Atletico Madrid in a, a very defensive game uh, for Madrid. But there's been a couple of occasions now where, whether it be VAR helping Liverpool out or them just. Scraping over the finish line yeah. with a 2-1 result or 3-2 yeah. result against West Ham. Fabianski
1: throwing one in. Yeah,
2: where you could just see it starting to creep in and you go back to the invincibles of Arsenal who, who stayed unbeaten all that year, there was a lot more drawn games, t- tight games in that year for Arsenal. Where this team, this Liverpool team, they've won so many games, they've smashed teams early on in the season. and They've been a, an attacking force. But it just wasn't their day. And, and Klopp came out with some great comments afterwards and said, uh, I, I have to give a lot of credit to these players. Says they're human at the end of the day. We all think they're machines and they're going to win every week. They've done so well for me up until now. We'll go and do video. We'll go and have a look at the game and why it didn't work out. There was obviously some mistakes individually, but as a group, we lost the game. And you're pointing out Dejan Lovren got dogs' abused because of his performance. But the second goal, I thought Van Dijk was at fault. He Mm. should have stopped the cross. There was numerous players that had a bad day. Even Mane and Salah looked defeated at the end of it. They shackled them really well to Watford defence. And the, the character of a championship team is the next game now. To get move on, get on with mm-hmm. the next game, and they've got a big end of season coming up. I don't, I don't see them faltering. Mm-hmm. This will be the biggest and the ever mount, and bust the if they lose football. the
1: title now. Oh, they're not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we said Leicester could yeah. win the title. Oh, remember? that's true. There's no, absolutely zero chance. So these guys, these
0: guys, Liverpool's gonna win. Let's say, but let's say against Atletico Madrid, they sh- they shit the bed again. Mm. And not not that they played horribly. It's just no, that they, I, I they thought, got pinned down. And I, I like thought I the watched. coach,
1: you know, the coach for Atletico is fantastic. Um, Diogo Simoni, Simone Cimaroni. and he, the way he gets his players, still like it was amazing how hard they work, and cr- closing down, yeah, closing down, closing down, like just don't give them any space, right? And that's the way you have to play against Liverpool. Anybody that's like, but it takes a ton of hard work and belief in your manager and yeah. what you're doing. Yeah, so. Atletico Madrid has been doing this uh, to teams for an awful long time from very good. So culture. Atletico
0: Madrid, let's say they beat them, how does that? Where does that rank? Uh, like Liverpool,
1: obviously well, they won Trener's... the Champions League last year. Liverpool, I know, and the league but... is the big one this year, uh,
2: right? Ninety percent of Liverpool fans yeah. want to win the league, right? Yeah. As Craig said, so they the bragging rights. League last right. year, so the yeah. bragging
0: rights are all about the league. Oh, for sure, uh,
2: they haven't yeah. won it in like what forty years now, Craig? Longer. I want to say 31, but
1: I'm not sure why I'm saying 31.
0: Because Charms keeps saying 31. Is it? No, I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> Tell yeah, me they pies he's that. selling today.
1: They don't care if they go out and let Obviously, they would love to win the, the double. That's a massive achievement. Yeah. But the the league's the one. And they go, and they can do it on a canter. It's like having a five-shot league. It's like Vandervelde helping well, well, us. Hopefully, e- it's not Vanderveld. Talking about
2: the EPL as well, our friend, Mr. Jose Mourinho. They're starting mm. to have a sticky time. Mm-hmm. Went up again n- against uh, a very good Wolves team in Nuno Espirito de Santo oh, yeah. leading them with his fantastic beard. Yeah, you um, look a bit like him. Oh, thanks. <laughs> He's a handsome man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but w- Wolves are coincidentally Craig's Premier League team this year. Right, and uh, they're battling for a Champions League place now. Yeah. don't don't. Um, well, going count back to, against
0: them. Going back to that Man City ruling. It really, that 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th spot, yeah. they're all like three We're, points apart. Yeah,
1: yeah. what's going to happen? Oh, yeah, exactly. And well, there's we'll, some interesting uh, teams up there.
2: Wolves are in uh, the last 16 of the Europa now with yeah. um, Manchester United as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Arsenal got knocked out yeah. midweek in the last seconds against Olympiacos. So uh, he's done a fantastic job. Um, and winning that, regardless of your
1: position in the league, winning the Europa League puts you, gets you in the yeah. Champions League. Right, that's so, huge. as much as during the season it's secondary on your priority list, for sure, but as you get going and it gets deeper into the competition, then it gets more serious for the clubs because right. they see an opportunity. Well, okay, we're safe in the, in the Premier League, we're doing well in that, but there's an opportunity here to get in the Champions League, which brings good. it you know tens of millions of bonus to get to the Champions League. So great, good for Wolves. They've, they've done a really good job over the last few years, really. Yeah. Everything from personnel they're bringing in, players, coaches. Yeah, crazy. You know, it's well done.
2: Another coach who's oh, having a little bit of a sticky time is uh, Frankie, Frank Lampard. Yeah. You know, they, they drew 2-2 at Bournemouth this weekend. They're starting to track behind that Champions League spot. Uh, I still think they won't get into Champions League. I think Europa is their highest position yeah. they can aim for now. They got exposed against Byron too, didn't they? Oh, just sort of, three nil. Yeah, uh, that, that could have been more. By the way. Yeah. Where Alfonso Davies had a, a yeah. really good game on the left wing. Um, yeah. surgeon had. A did great you see game. the? Did
1: you see the Everton Man U uh, VAR decision? Yeah, that was an interesting one. Get Danny.
0: Okay, walk walk us through that one.
1: Well, the people
0: just
2: last saw. Last minute goal. Last,
1: it? Yeah, it was last minute goal by Everton. Big deflection. Player in a offside position. For sure, but was he interfering with De Gea's vision? And I'm, as a goalkeeper, I often see decisions made by referees and VAR um, not thinking of, well, the player, the goalkeeper's vision. If the player's obstructing the goalkeeper's vision, he is now in part of play. He should be offside. First guy to agree with that. But in this particular instance, the Everton players on the ground took a deflection. He had zero to do with the play, and they disallowed the goal because they're saying he obstructed the view of De Gea. He's on the ground. He had, There was absolutely zero...
2: Hold on a minute. Hold on a <laughs> minute. of vision. So if this is a long shot from outside the box, crate, and Sigerson's sitting down on the penalty spot in front of the goalkeeper, is it the same call?
1: If he's just sitting down in front of the goalkeeper?
2: Like he was sitting down for this one where Calvert-Lewins took the shot, but it's ricocheted off Harry Maguire's foot, I think, and gone into the bottom corner. De Gea's got no chance of getting there, by the way. He's already gone for the first shot. The deflection's taken it into the bottom corner. But if we rewind it and say, uh, who's the new boy at Man United who's doing really well for him? Bruno Fernandes takes a long shot. Sorry, Everton we're talking about here. Say uh, um, Calvert-Lewin takes a long shot from outside the box. And Sigerson's sitting down. The Man United back line have pushed up. Is that interfering with play?
1: If he's just sitting on his backside? Yeah. And he has. He's not standing up. Not standing up. He has no. He's not distracting the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper can move. Um, No. You can
2: see. So it's purely because Sigerson is sitting down and he's. Yes. Not obstructing the view of the hare who can see over the top of him. Easily. And can see the ball clearly. Yeah. And that was Ancelotti's argument after the game. And he got red carded after the game, by the way. Yeah. For the yeah, same he thing, he sent there was no obstruction to the shot. Yeah, okay, I've got it. It's clear uh, now. Clear, well, it's not it, as clear as De Gea's vision, but it's clear yeah. for me now.
1: Like, I don't think there would be a goalkeeper in the Premier League that wouldn't think De Hay was awfully lucky there. Mm. And they he made would all great and that, and save
2: before it, by the way. Yeah, he did. And he made a terrible mistake oh, in the first oh, half for the first goal. Oh, terrible, very, very uh, lack luster. I don't know if it was a little bit of arrogance as well. Yeah, took his time. Yeah, took his time, and
1: uh, yeah, a little nonchalant. Yeah, the old block straight in the net. Mm, that's not good. And then Pick- Pickford made a mistake. Pickford made as well. a
2: little bit of a mistake on the near post for Bruno's uh, shot. Yeah, yes, but he pulled off a couple of great saves yes. off Miguelo. Yeah, he did. But um, just yeah. shows you the l- the life of a goalkeeper. Yeah, hero to zero, zero to hero.
1: Yeah, back and forth, back mm. and forth. Our friend in the middle here. Your yeah. mistakes get Who? magnified. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
2: Where a striker can miss a chance. Yeah. Well, the difference, Two or too, chances.
1: Mean, yeah. if it was like, you know, when you're playing games and, yeah, you enjoy the, the games for, for a certain extent, but you're there to, to win and perform well. So as a goalkeeper, you're not, oh, you're in the 80th minute. This is so much fun. I wish there was a half an hour left.
0: <laughs> right. Oh, everyone's but you just made a save and right. everyone's cheering you on. Yeah,
1: I'm quite happy to end it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if I'm a striker and I haven't scored and I'm struggling to get goals and you know, and I'm having a good day, but I, I feel like I can get wow. another chance and there's 10 minutes left, you probably, other than your lungs, you're probably wishing there was another 10, 15 minutes left. It's, it's a different mentality. It is
0: a different mentality. And you can't yeah. really
1: influence it's what's like happening. some great insight. As a goalkeeper, yeah. you've got to let things sort of happen, yeah. come to you yeah. because... As much as you want to go run down there and score, you're not. That's not happening. You know, you can't influence that side of things as much.
0: Well, that's. You know what? That's. Uh, like I said, great insight. And it's also I want to say the argument you guys just had that was brought to you by Sharman's Proper pies. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, the weekly Dikio Dikio Forest versus Forest argument on FAR. So we'll be bringing that to you next week.
2: Um, but Talk, go- hold on. Talk oh, about yeah. the last 15 minutes of games. Did anyone see, and I know we're going off on a little different pathway here. Well, you did, you see the, <laughs> did you see the Bayern Munich-Hoffenheim game at the weekend? I heard about it. So the last 15 minutes of the game, Bayern, Alfonso. Davies. 6-0 up, right? 6-0 up. Yeah. But the Bayern Ultras, who are the, the, the crazy fans of Bayern, have put a banner up and it's kind of... Not vulgar language, but it's it tasteless. It's tasteless language directed towards Hoffenheim's older president. So the players were in total disagreement with the banner. Apparently it's been held up before and there's been certain situations and, uh, with Dortmund fans and Bayern fans with this president of Hoffenheim. And the players joined together. The referee stopped the game. Yeah, They went the, off for 10 minutes, oh, didn't they? 10 minutes. Yeah. Asked the players if they wanted to go back on. Players went back on, and for the last fifteen minutes of the game, Dan, we've got to get this up on video. They just played the ball back and forth to each other. Fantastic! In protest against the fans, right? Yeah. And the goal was incredible too. to they were see. They're
1: all just standing around. That's fantastic. Goalkeeper was sitting on the post. Yeah.
0: Well, it, it, this is about behavior, right? Yeah. What What are yeah. you doing as a as a league, yeah. as a um, yeah. association? Well,
1: and the good thing is these players doing it is these are their own fans. Right. Supposedly. Well, that's the only way it's going to be done. Yeah. So stand up and do the right thing to, you know. If so you, could you, you do to, that
2: for racism going on in the stadium? Yes. Yeah. So they're doing that for a tasteless banner that's up in the stadium. Mm-hmm. And they also want to finish the game so it's finished. Finished. So they could do a similar thing if there's racism or ra- yeah. racial slurs going on in the building. Or yeah. they could just both walk off the field.
1: Easily. Yeah. And we haven't seen that really. So yet.
2: maybe is this the starting point for players starting to yeah.
1: mm-hmm. we'll get have that up a little on bit Twitter.
2: more autonomy and saying, Look, yeah. we're gonna start making decisions now that we are taking a lot of flack from fans, whether it be on social media, for performances, for the way we act, for mm-hmm. so now we're disagreeing with something you guys are putting up in the stadium towards ourselves or our president and they're taking it in their own hands which is good it's good to see no, it's, it's been a long time in coming yeah
0: and and you've spoken about this when we do talk about racism but it should be about a lot of different things the behavior yeah. in the stands whether it's you know hockey in Canada yeah. or or footy in Europe yeah or NFL I mean fights well, in the, the stands on the, on the field everybody, doing
1: everybody's inclusive on the field yep yep like i i mean i played with guys from over 30 different countries Muslims playing with Israeli guys, Jewish guys, you know, Christians, Catholics, mm-hmm. Protestants, the whole shit in Yeah. And when you do that, you start to understand, you know, everybody wants the same things. They want family. They want, you know, they want to have a good life. They want to relax. They want right. To, you know, everybody's the same.
0: Right. And Except the Amish horrible horrible <laughs> people but they can't hear us right now right, so right. we don't worry about them <laughs> they, they, make don't, good they
2: don't do furniture
1: they don't listen to radios <laughs> they don't have radios no. ah, right, right so we got the Amish we yeah, could bug. yeah so anyway <laughs> the players have a responsibility and they and the power and influence that players can have on society is massive so uh, good for Byron and uh, hopefully we see but that it all
0: but it also goes back to the manager too who have given the players that Level of autonomy to make that decision mm. without losing their wig, you know. Not, I mean, six six love or six nil already is, mm-hmm. you know. You want the game to end to your point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah but, quite happy passing. Yeah, around. but if it was zero zero, does that happen? And that's maybe another discussion for another time. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, everyone, we've got another announcement. We're doing a giveaway for Toronto FC season opener tickets. Our boy Danny DeCio as Made sure that we were set up, so we're going to be doing a social media. Jeff Cole over in the corner, who's on the keyboard, is going to be doing a social media push for... It's um, in
1: the top row very 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 Farthest top row, away farthest away yes yeah. yeah
0: but you have to we're going to be uh we're going to be watching <laughs> inside you inside the stadium so it <laughs> is. I
1: don't even know where this year. I'm just kidding <laughs> but
0: we'll be making that announcement uh Thursday night so you have time to get your asses down to the field yeah but uh we're going to be doing a social media push and while we're talking social media we're going to Please follow us, subscribe, and all the other things at Footy underscore Prime on Twitter, at Footy Prime the Podcast on Instagram, Facebook at Footy Prime the Podcast, and YouTube at Footy Prime the Podcast. Uh, if you need to email us, footyprimepodcast at gmail.com. And thanks to the fellows for coming in. Thanks to James Sharman for having to do pies today. Give me yeah. a chance to yap a little more than I normally His do. His
1: pies are good, by the Those
0: way. Those are good tasting pies. I like the curry. You like the... Yeah. What
1: did you like? Yeah, I like the curry, too. I like the chicken pot pie. Yeah, you're old school. Steak and kidney pie. Steak and kidney I like all of them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> bit of mashed potato, but, bit of gravy. Oh, oh, H- fantastic. Little HP oh, sauce. mushy oh, peas. Oh,
0: the HP sauce is... It's yeah, key. It's key. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thanks again to
2: Eggplant Picture and
0: Sound. Jeff Cole, Devin, our engineer... We'll talk next week. Thanks a lot. (coughs) Talking Footy Prime next Monday. Bye now. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing.